Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, August the 27th. And welcome to our commentary. W welcome to our weekly view at the politics of Texas with our friend uh, George Rodriguez from down in San Antonio. George, uh, are you under 100 or over 100? What's the... in, in fact, right now, it looks like it's going to rain outside. It's very, very cloudy. Hmm. We are actually at, uh, at 90 degrees. Earlier today, we were at 101. Yes. Uh, so we're waiting to see with big anticipation if we're going to get some rain. It, it was humid today up here. I mean, we didn't have the, the 110 that we had the other day, but it was humid. It was humid today. It, or at least it felt that way. It's been very dry and hot. We did get um, some rain on, um, on Tuesday of this week, I think it was, because mm -hmm. there was a... Um, uh, a hurricane uh, or, a, or a tropical storm that right, was in yeah. Texas. Uh, and we got a little bit of it up, up here, but um, uh, since then it's been back at the hundreds. Yeah, usually when those tropical storms get up here, they're pretty bad. I mean, the you guys in, in San Antonio, certainly Houston gets a lot of water. But when, when we get it up here, it's because it's like a, a category 10 hurricane or something because, <laughs> you know, we're too far away, of course. Well, today we're going to be talking about a, a, a few issues of interest. I, I, I've been posting a little bit about the New York uh, City and, or the state of New York migrant crisis, and I, I have something about, about at the American Thinker about that and also the buses to, to L.A. Uh, also, you, you want to mention something about uh, the Department of Justice going after Elon Musk. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then we're going to speculate a little bit on on governors, uh, the governor, Governor Abbott, and whether or not he'll he'll call a, a special session uh, to tackle school choice. But let, let's begin with uh, an issue that somewhat relates to a, a video that I did on Friday night. I did a video on Friday night with a friend of mine from Venezuela. Uh, he 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 was able to go on the video. It's sometimes hard for them to do it to do that because of electricity problems and because of internet connections. But we were able to talk for about 20 minutes. I kept it brief because I knew that at some point the lights would go out and I didn't want to, uh, you know, destroy our conversation. But I was asking him about Venezuelans coming to the United States. And, you know, he talked a little bit about some of the reasons and, and we know the reasons. But down in, in on the border, George, you, you know, uh, know a great deal about that area. What's your sense? How many of these migrants or people coming over are Venezuelans, George? The vast majority in the past have been. Uh, there was a flood of Venezuelans coming across uh, back in June through uh, June 22 through June this of this year. It was a huge number. The people that we were interviewing both at the border and at the migrant center here in San Antonio, the vast majority were Venezuelans. Uh, there were some families, but also the vast majority of them were young men. Uh, now, there's a lot of people that have speculated uh, about the theory and, and uh, raised all sorts of uh, concerns that these might be uh, sleepers that are coming into the country. Uh, but I will tell you that a lot of them do look uh, very hardened, very street hardened. Uh, it, it's, not, it's very, very possible that... Uh, that Venezuela is trying to get rid of all of its uh, social problems by encouraging them to come to the United States. The other headache that we've got is that um, 
the uh, the Biden administration has made it easy. They have preferred, they have done a preference for Venezuelans to come in uh, with an, an application, a, um, a phone app that they can use, that they can apply uh, for asylum in Mexico and then present it at the border and then come in. Uh, that has facilitated it very, very, that's made it very easy for them to enter the country. Right. So a very, a, a, a good number, I'd say. A good at number. Percent. At least 50%, you say? 25. Yeah. Okay. 25. You said 25, right? Okay. So that's a good number. Now, these people who are coming in from Venezuela, because I hear all kinds of stories, are, are most of them coming in with a court date pending? Or are they coming in uh, without that? I mean, what's your sense? No, most of them are coming with a court date. And this is the okay. headache, is that this is a program that was put together by the Biden administration that really does nothing to vet the individual. Uh, all they do is get a court date. Uh, they declare that they are going to be seeking asylum, and they come in. Uh, they don't know anything about their background. They don't know anything about... Uh, uh, their education level. They don't know anything about them. All they know is that these people are, are, are asking for, um, for asylum. <laughs> and um, this, uh, this has been a program that has been uh, dedicated to only four groups, to the Venezuelans, to the Haitians, uh, to Nicaraguans, and um, I can't remember the other group, but uh, it's only to four groups that they have, uh, that they have targeted. And um, these folks by far, the Venezuelans have been the one that takes the most advantage of it. Yeah. Okay. And I assume then that most of the Venezuelans or many Venezuelans take these buses then. Yes. Go to New York yes. uh, or LA. I mean, they are not crossing. They are not crossing at the at. Uh, they are crossing through ports of entry. The vast majority of them. Some of yeah. them are not, but the vast majority of Venezuelans are coming through ports of entry. That means they present themselves at the bridge and come across. On the other hand, the people that are not presenting themselves at the, at the bridge are folks like the Chinese, folks like uh, uh, Pakistanis, folks like uh, uh, Iranians. Those are the ones that are that, that are coming across uh, illegally at this point. Very few Mexicans. Very right. few Mexicans. That is that's the interesting thing. That is the interesting point about all of this because I I saw an interview with Robert Kennedy. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., who's running for the Democrat nomination. And he went down there. He spent a couple of days down there. And, and that's exactly the same thing he said. He said he spent a couple of nights talking to people, and he was surprised how few, you can almost count with your hands, the number of people who were Mexicans or, or Latin Americans. So what this would tell me is that there is some kind of a machinery in place? Oh yes, definitely. To, to get these people up to the border, because it's one thing, you know, historically, historically the people who would cross the border would come from Mexico, maybe Central America, where they would make the trip by themselves. They would figure out some way of getting up to the border. And uh, in, in, in the case of many women, in particularly, they were raped and all of that, but they got to the border uh, somehow. But if you're coming from uh, Venezuela, let's say, if you're coming from an African country, Robert Kennedy, by the way, said he noticed that there were many Africans yes, there are. Uh, who were coming. And so, you know, that that obviously somebody's got to put you on a plane and get you to the Mexican border. And what Robert Kennedy was saying uh, in this interview, and I think it, it's interesting that a Democrat is talking this way, 
which may explain why they don't want him on the debates, uh, that uh, he's actually saying that there's a mechanism and that they literally pay to get to the border. That's it. The um, it has been revealed. It's pretty much uh, it's pretty much a common situ- common knowledge at this point that uh, we have uh, that we do that the cartels have an international uh, travel agency at this point, and they are uh, bringing people from all parts of the world uh, to the border. And then once they get to the border, they're leaving it up to them as to how they're going to get across. Right now, whereas you used to have maquiladoras in Mexico that were uh, that were you know enterprise uh, uh, businesses that would, uh, you know, set up for whatever. Uh, the new maquiladoras are, are those that are uh, helping to transport uh, uh, illegal aliens either to the bridge with documents or else uh, helping them to get across um, right. uh, uh, under uh, under the, the hiding of the night. Right. No, that's exactly what Robert Kennedy was saying. I mean, if, if you have a chance to check out uh, his interview with Mike Huckabee, uh, I think it was last night or this weekend. That's exactly the way Robert Kennedy was explaining. He was uh, quite, uh, I thought, quite correct in his assessment of of the situation. Now, of course, these buses ha- have been sent to New York and to L.A. And in New York, it's become a real problem. They have 20,000 people in New York. They don't know what to do with them. I have a post uh, over at the American Thinker that came out Sunday morning where I, I say that the dilemma that the governor and the mayor of New York City face, governor of New York and mayor of New York City face, is that they're not going to get any federal money no. or any substantial federal money. They may get, they may be able to redirect some money. But as long as you have a Republican Congress, there's not going to be any money. And I don't even think they have 60 votes in the Senate, even if they got through the House. So they're being forced basically to take, uh, that is New York City and the state of New York, they're being forced to take funds or money from existing programs, some of their social welfare programs, and using it for this purpose, which is creating all kinds of political nightmares for the governor of New York and the mayor of New York City. Because as you know, following uh, the economics in the country, the state of New York is losing a lot of people. So they're losing a lot of taxpayers. So they don't have a lot of money to throw around. And now on top of that, they get this problem. And, and then, of course, uh, there's also another story about the buses that went to L.A. Uh, there are 10 buses now that have gone to L.A. And it's interesting when you hear the, the attacks coming from the L.A. mayor against Governor Abbott, they're saying that these people were not invited. Well, forgive me, but it was the L.A. City Council right. that declared itself a sanctuary city. Community. Right, exactly. So, I mean, they... they, they, they is is just outrageous in in, in both examples. Uh, you know, they yeah. Besides the fact that they declared themselves sanctuary cities long ago, at least ten years ago, maybe if not longer. The also the issue is that instead of 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 telling the Biden administration to su- shut down the border, to control the border, to stop the flow of illegal immigration, no, they asked for more money, and uh, I think that the, the that the uh, the whole situation that uh, the Biden administration seems to be looking for in these communities is to create social chaos. I mean, I, I just don't understand what else they, they could be looking for. Right. Either I mean, they're either doing that intentionally or they're so incompetent that that's the well, consequence. That's true. I mean, it's either one or the other. You've got kids but, running running the show now. 
Yeah, I mean, when, when, you, secure. when you have a situation, I mean, if you look at what's happening in New York, um, and New York also, New York City and the state of New York also went out of their way to say that there were sanctuary states or sanctuary cities. And now they're actually, you know, getting people, which I guess they didn't realize that that's what being a sanctuary city was. And they're getting people, and it, whether it's New York, whether it's whatever, whatever other, I think New York and L.A. are the two cities uh, that have received the most but in New York, George, there are 30,000. And I was listening to an interview the other day with a school, uh, I guess, a school superintendent that would be the, or a district, a school district superintendent, who was saying, we don't have money for bilingual teachers. Exactly. So, you know, you want us to take these kids. We don't have money to hire well, bilingual teachers. I posted, I posted yesterday uh, an article where Staten Island has been gripped for the past uh, few days in some very massive protests from parents uh, who are uh, protesting against the housing of, uh, of these migrants in, uh, in, in the uh, Staten Island schools. And uh, it's, you know, I mean, again, here are people at the grassroots level demanding that the local government react to them. And I don't think they are gonna do that. I think, uh, again, the uh, the arrogance, the elitism of these uh, leaders right now, these Democrats, is uh, one where they know best, and they're going to do whatever they whatever is necessary to take care. Of but their- I, but I find though, uh, George, is the incompetence of it all, because um, to me, if you're going to bring people into the country, where's the that, plan? Where's the where's the plan exactly? For example, the governor of New York is saying that they should these people should get a work visa or they should get a some kind of the ability to work right uh, the governor of new york is saying i've got work i'm not sure about that but she's saying i've got work but these people cannot work but this is the fallacy of having them come in the way they did if you want people coming into the country with the ability to work the next day then they, they've got to come in like my parents came in, okay? When my parents came to the United States, now I understand it was a different time, and, and I get that, but the system is the same. My parents came in, and we, were, we came in, and we were legally in the country. The minute we, we went through immigration, we were legally in the country. So at that point, it, we were issued whatever documents, and as soon as my father could get a job, he was able to get a job. So we were never we were, we never had to rely on any kind of government program. Maybe at the very beginning, I'm I'm not going to remember everything, but maybe they gave us a, I don't know a food coupon or something. But I mean, it was nothing compared to the self reliance of my parents. And so, if you want to bring people into the country who can fill all these jobs that we have, well, don't bring them in the way you're bringing them in now. Uh, create some kind of a program where they come in legally and where they come in with a visa to work. Uh, that's the solution, but obviously they're not doing that. No, I think that the intention, Silvio, and I hate to sound, I hate to sound so radically extremist rightist, <laughs> but I think that the intention by, by this administration and the people that are propelling it at this point, these radical leftists that are propelling it, propelling it, that are directing it, I think it is to create as much chaos, social chaos in the nation. Uh, I mean, you've got, at the same time that you've got the push 
for this open border, the, these policies that have created a, 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 such an open border, you've got policies in these same big cities for defunding the police. Insanity. Insanity. George, are you telling me that somebody's accusing you of being a right-wing conservative? Ah. And a white supremacist, but white supremacist. Okay, well, I just wanted to clear that up because yes. you know, my good friend George, there's no way that you are a right wing white supremacist is conservative, are you? You know, I, I thought that I thought that was only for the white Cubans that uh, that got called that. But anyway, uh, but because I've heard I've heard that one too. Yes, but you know, but but the the reality is, I mean, just the one last point on this is. The, the sheer incompetence, incompetence of the Biden administration. I mean, even if you give him all the benefit of the doubt that their intentions were noble. I mean, let's just for the let's sake of the argument. Let's say that. Let's say that there were noble intentions. But the execution was so incompetent to open the border in this fashion uh, and have 20,000 people in New York City who literally have no place to go. The, the, the city of New York cannot attend to them. So what are these people going to do? Are they going to? Did you see the videos? They're sleeping on the streets. On the streets. I mean, it's like like they don't have enough homeless. That's right. That's correct. Amazing. Just incompetence is remarkable. Uh, you wanted to mention something, George, before we get to the governor. But you wanted to mention something about, uh, and this is a story that I saw this afternoon. You may know more about it than than I do. So why don't you just talk about it? The Department of Justice is going after Elon Musk. For employment practices, fill yes. me in on that. Elon Musk, of course, has this uh, this company uh, where uh, they are uh, doing uh, research, uh, rocket launching, uh, and, and and such. I mean, it's a it's 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 a very high tech, um, and uh, in my opinion, a very sensitive scientific uh, program that he deals with. Well, the the uh, apparently. The um, Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department, has gone after him because he he has not hired uh, some uh, undocumented workers. Uh, now, let's understand this: these are people that are not vetted, and they are and, and they want them to work in a sensitive industry where he's uh, dealing with rocket launching, with uh, jet propulsion uh, fuels, with uh, high tech equipment. Um, I mean. We don't. He doesn't know who these people are. The second thing is that uh, they need to have. Uh, they need to be competent. They need to be able to uh, to uh, win these industries. A vast majority of people that are coming across, uh, you know, under under Biden's program and illegally, they don't have. They don't have that that uh, uh, that education. So uh, you know, to me, two things are happening here. Number one, in my opinion, they are punishing uh, Elon Musk for what he did to Twitter. Okay? Exactly. That's number one. That's, I would agree with that. I think that's the real reason. No, I really do. And then secondly, I think that the Department of Justice wants to send a message to uh, all the big industries that they need to uh, they need to open their employment uh, to people who have just crossed the border, right. uh, you know, which is insanity. Insanity the way they're doing it. Yes. I mean, again, if, if, if they were doing... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If they were doing it correctly, that is, if they were actually... Uh, following the immigration laws of the country and people were being vetted and going through the process that millions of people have gone through who are in the country legally, then, you know, that's one thing. But simply say, hey, cross the border and Elon Musk is going to give you a job. Well, no, that's not uh, that's not the way that's not the way it works. 
Uh, before we get to the governor, one point that I didn't mention, George, and that is the GOP debate the other night. Obviously, without Trump there, it uh, you know it's a little bit like you go to the you go to the the zoo and you go see the fish and there's no shark in there, so all the kids are disappointed because the shark was missing that day. Uh, but I thought overall they did fairly well. That I thought I, I, the candidates you know did well. I mean, I don't I, think there was one candidate who blew it. I think I think that there's going to be a real uh, sense of uh, caution on the part of the Democrats as to who they would ever put at the, which one they would choose to go against uh, Biden because I think all of them all of them would put Biden to shame in a debate. I mean, there's no two ways around it. Especially uh, Kamala Harris. Oh my God! Well, yeah. Ooh, even yeah. if you get the the vice presidents right. to debate. Because uh, you know, let's let's say that any one of them is is a vice president, vice presidential candidate. Uh, can you see one of them going up against uh, Kamala? I mean, well, it, if if you re, if you remember George in twenty in twenty twenty, that uh, then Senator Harris went against Vice President Pence, and I thought Pence really I mean destroyed her. Yeah, yeah, Pence was so much more effective than she was. Her problem, and I know I'm going to get an email saying that that I'm just picking on a woman. No, but her problem is that she she speaks in such generalities and platitudes. She doesn't seem to have any idea of what she's saying. Exactly. That's exactly you know? right. I mean, she doesn't seem to have a, a conviction on anything. But but it, the only conviction is winning the election. That, that you know, It's sort of a right. power-driven... Type conviction, right. but I I think they all did fairly well. Now there are a couple of candidates on that stage that I don't really understand why they're there. Uh, the ex governor of Arkansas, Hutchinson, not sure why he's there. Um, North, North North Dakota's governor, North Dakota, he was impressive because I've seen him talk. He was impressive, but it, it's a little too early for him. He may want to wait uh, another one. But I think all the others I thought did fairly well, and I, you know, even they did I well. Have, they did well on many issues, particularly foreign. Right. And I think that this is the one that's going to that's uh, that's going to be the big heel because uh, the uh, the the Democrats are so globally minded, uh, and yet you know their global policies are a disaster. But I will tell you, my favorite moment of the of the whole thing was when they asked uh, Chris Christie the the UFO question. <laughs> and Christie looks at the questioner, at the moderator, and says, I'm getting the UFO question. It's like, come on, what are you doing to me? <laughs> but uh, I, I thought overall it was a good debate. Let me ask you one last question, George, as we wrap up. Uh, the governor has been talking about another session, uh, legislative session, to finish school choice. I think if you look at the overall objectives of the governor. I think he's accomplished most of them. Uh, for example, with respect to CRT in our schools, with respect to, for example, uh, these gender crazy policies that they're teaching our kids. Uh, for example, in Texas, now you have to compete. Uh, a young man or young woman has to compete in the gender of their birth. You know, that, that makes sense. But then, of course, uh, we live in crazy times. But I think overall, I mean, the property tax, of course, was the biggest home run that they hit. So overall, I think he's been effective. But the one missing, uh, if you will, trophy 
is uh, a school choice. And how that gets done, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the smaller areas in the state, rural areas, were in opposition to the school. Not, they're not necessarily against school choice. They probably just haven't gotten a, a good enough deal to do the deal, George. Yeah, they're, I, they're, they're worried as to how, what it's going to look like. Um, because, of course, you know, you've got, um, you've got school districts that are close to big cities uh, who uh, either might inherit a lot of uh, students that they, don't, they can't handle or they're going to well, lose a lot of students. Uh, they, they could. Uh, that, that would affect them, a lot of students to uh, private schools. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to, it's, it's worrying these rural communities. Uh, I do believe that, um, you know, the, 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 the devil is in the details. Uh, they are probably, I mean, I know that they, are, they have been working feverishly to uh, develop a, uh, a, a, some legislation that the um, that that the legislature and the mayor and the governor rather can feel comfortable with, and push forward that would accomplish what they want to accomplish, uh, but again, it's just the devil is in the details. Right. No, I, and that's the way it always is, and something complicated like this. But what I would, you know, if I was designing the plan, I would basically say to the rural areas, you know, these uh, wonderful school districts out there in the middle of Texas somewhere. I would say to them, you can keep the status you have as a public school. We're not going to mess with you. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll basically you keep the same deal that you have now. And where I see a lot more interest in school choice is in the suburban parents. Right. Uh, like if you look right now at homeschooling uh, in the country, homeschooling is about 11 percent of the kids. Right. Now, that's amazing. That's one out of every 10 kids in the country is in homeschooling, but it tends to be focused more in the suburban areas because a lot of homeschooling, of course, the mother has to stay home to teach the class. So it, they tend to be more upscale neighborhoods where the mother does is not working, basically, something like that. But that's where I see the interest. I think a lot of school, a lot of the suburban areas, what I call suburban areas, I mean, outside of Dallas, Houston, and so on. Th those areas are pretty much ready to sign up and say, hey, give me the voucher, and I'll go and, and find my own school. In those rural areas, though, they still want to have that Friday night high school game and all the all that, that it means. And th there's got to be a way. I mean, there's got to be a way to figure this out. Because right. I, I, I think what I would, as I say, I would say to the school districts, in you know wherever they are, I would say just keep the deal you got now. We're not going to mess with you. Well, the other and thing, the other reality, Silvio, and this is this is very very much on the minds of the uh, uh, of the administrators and teachers in these small schools, is that um, they don't want to inherit problem students, problem students that are coming from from an urban area uh, that uh, where you know there there is no discipline in the school. They haven't. Uh, been uh, taught properly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, the uh, parents pull them out of there, get a voucher and send them to, you know, they pull them out of a, a, a terrible school and they send them to uh, a, uh, a suburban school and the kid just acts up and creates more of a problem again. That is a big issue uh, to, to, uh, to a lot of folks. They don't want to echo it. They don't want to say it very, very much because they don't want to... Uh, sound like they're trying to be elitist 
But the fact of the matter is that, do, that many of them, many of these schools uh, do not want to inherit the problems uh, of the uh, 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 of the um, problem schools. Well, all I can tell you, George, is when I see what what happened with the Houston school district that had literally been had to be taken over ah. because you had so many schools that were underperforming. Uh, you know that that's not helping the parents, and that's certainly not helping the kids. And you know, I know there are many wonderful public school teachers. You and I had them, and others have had them over the years who put in their whole life into being school teachers who were, it was a calling for them yeah. to do this. And they've got to be as sad as we are that, that you've got public schools graduating kids at, who can't do math or reading. At, 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 I mean, it's pathetic. It is. I mean, who is actually benefiting from that? Exactly. That's I exactly mean, right. The parents are not, the kids are not. So something has to be done. It seems to me. Uh, I'm not saying school choice is a magical solution, but we got to get the parents. It would definitely help those that do want to uh, learn, those that want to be students. It'll get them out of those. uh, Of those schools. Of those problem schools and give them a chance. And give the parents the opportunity to select a a school of their choice. I mean, there was a, uh, I wrote a post about this the other day at American Thinker. There was a judge in Maryland, sit down before you hear this, or hold on to your seat before you hear this. A, ju- a bunch of parents in Maryland wanted to take their kids out of an LGD, LG, I always get the letters confused, LGBT, whatever, whatever. <laughs> uh, class. There, there apparently was going to be a seminar on that topic. And many parents said, no, our kids are not going to that. And they took them out. Well, they took it to the courts. And a judge said that you as a parent do not have the option. Exactly. That was in Virginia. It was in Northern Virginia. Virginia or Maryland, somewhere in there. The D.C. suburbs. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, well, first of all, where did the judge get that kind of authority (laughs) to begin with? I mean, I thought they were our kids. The last time I checked, I thought they were our kids. But that is the kind of stupidity, if I may say this, with all due respect to the judge. Yes. Yeah. That's the kind of stupidity that drives parents to homeschooling. Exactly. Or promotes school choice. Exactly. you know, you hear these mothers, and, and these mothers do. Uh, you hear them. You hear them being interviewed on, on TV, and they're saying, "Wait a minute, I don't want my kids reading about that." I mean, what, you know, what is that all about? So, they've brought a lot of this upon themselves. On CNN, on CNN, there was a uh, union leader in that school district that said that the it was arrogance and elitism on the part of the parents for them to want to take the kids out. And uh, if you you needed to teach them not to be arrogant, not to be uh, uh, elitist, and to accept life and reality. Yes, well, uh, I'm, that, that is what happens when you work for a monopoly. <laughs> you know, the, you, you say stupid things like that. Well, George, I want to thank you as always for, uh, for joining us. And uh, you have a great weekend, whatever great. is left of it. And uh, I think we're supposed to get some rain ourselves tonight. I hope we do. Oh, it's because, definitely cool down here. It's down yeah. to the night, low 90s. I think the last time that I saw rain, uh, Reagan was in the White House because I haven't uh, yes. seen rain around here in a long time. So we need some rain. That's uh, that's for sure. Thank you so much, George, as always, for joining us for and giving us your input. Have a wonderful, Thank you very, very have a wonderful much weekend. Have a good All one. Right. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much. Uh, our good friend, George Rodriguez, uh, down in, in South Texas, we check with him from time to time just to get a sense of Texas politics. I thought the information that George gave us about the border uh, was absolutely tremendous, the number of people who are coming in. And this is, a, to me, uh, the story of the border, and that is more and more people are crossing the border who are not from Mexico or from Central America. I mean, they still come. I don't deny that. But more and more people are not from those sources where we had historically gotten most of the of the people who crossed the border. And so that tells you that there's got to be an organized effort to get them to the border. People just don't come from Venezuela or a country in Africa to the U.S.-Mexico border without at least flying a plane. So they got to get on a plane. They got to buy some tickets. They got to get to the border. And that, of course, I think there's it's, it's an organized effort. Uh, to do that. We talked a little bit too about the migrant crisis in New York. It's just crazy what's happening up there. And then, of course, we just spoke a little bit about uh, the the school choice situation in Texas. I'm a strong believer in school choice, not because I hate public education, wonderful public school teachers that we've all known over the years, very dedicated. But even, even those teachers are disappointed of what's happened to the school districts and how the school districts are failing, literally failing Kids, when you have schools graduating kids who can't read and write at their own level, at whatever level they're in, that is not a success story. That's failure. And uh, unless you want to condemn these kids to a life of misery and poverty, you got to make sure they get out of high school, at least with the basic uh, writing, reading, and math that a high schooler uh, should have. And right now, we're not doing that. And that's the failure of public schools uh, as we know them right now. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.